Welcome to Your Voice Must Be Heard podcast. I'm your host, Marquita McGee, a happy wife, proud mother, career woman, and voiceover artist. I created this podcast as a place to be encouraged through wisdom for different aspects of life. We all navigate through the many challenges of life, feeling unfulfilled in our purpose, and we believe there's more. We will explore in this podcast keys to unlock the door to the next level and transform. I'll be interviewing people who have found unconventional wisdom that catapulted them to success in business, health, relationships, and their gifts in the arts. We will reflect on how you can apply unconventional wisdom to achieve your success, affirming what you believe, and helping you create your transformation story. Come along with me into this week's episode to capture this wisdom and have forward movement in your life. Today on this episode, I have a very fine guest with us. He's a legend already. He's a legacy builder, a leader with eternal impact. I welcome to the show John Wayne Bailey. Hey, John Wayne. Hey, 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 Marquita. It's so good to have you on the show. Thank you for joining. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for just having me on here. You know, it's a blessing to be alive. It's a blessing to have the breath to be able to share, you know, and uh, just connect yes. and, and talk about inspiring stuff. Yes, yes. I'm so fascinated by you, by the talent, by who you are as a person and your impact that you're making. In my research, I learned that you are a self-taught drummer, a guitarist, a bassist, a vocalist, engineer, producer, songwriter, recording artist, worship leader, writer, mentor, <laughs> author, Motivational speaker, so many things. <laughs> like, like too much. <laughs> Lord, too much. <laughs> Talking about doing something to the maximum. It's like you took your gifting and you really maxed it out. And it is it's so great. I look forward to hearing so much about it today. You've worked with great, well-known producers and different recording labels and artists around the country, the globe, I would say, in the music industry, right? Yes, I mean, I have um, both big and small, you know, I mean, just a short little thing. I had a song that went number four on the Billboard charts. The last one I had was 2010, although I've written for some other like like younger, maybe 20-year-old up and coming, but they were signed with major labels like Sony, you know, mm. and that kind of stuff. I also write for some like gospel artists. I've had an opportunity to even potentially write a song that would be reviewed by Marvin Sapp, who's one of my favorite gospel artists, you know. Oh, wow. But that didn't go through yet. But just to let you know, like, I kind of run into just all kinds of people. You would not believe it. So, you know, just I just have fun with it. And big opportunity or small, my mindset is I'm having fun. This is what I do. Mm, you know? That's good. That's why yeah. you're so great at it. Um, you're having fun, and, and that's good. So I love that you work with a diverse type of genres. Um, you said gospel, and then you, you've done some rock, some country, some hip-hop. And, you know, some people, they are just chosen. And when I think about you, John Wayne, I feel like you are just this chosen guy. My first question I want to get to is, why music? Why did you decide to do this for your life? 
Wow, that's a really, really good question. And thank you for saying all those, those things, because I think that as, as an artist, as all artists, you know, especially musical artists, you know, we, ha we need encouragement all along the path, all along the road. Encouragement is not just for people starting out. Encouragement is for everybody, no matter how long they've been doing or going after what they were called to do. Uh, when I was younger, I was always around like my dad, my uncle. They were drummers. It was always loud music. They always like concert level equipment and stuff, you know. So I just grew up around music. And so at a young age, I'm on the drums trying to figure out how to do a beat and playing like funk music and soul and all of that. And then, uh, you know, as I got close to being a teenager, I just started getting into rock music, you know. Um, and I was like, man, rock kind of inspired me. And then when I saw the large crowds <laughs> that they performed at, I was like, uh, that's my dream. You know, <laughs> I don't know why. It was like all of a sudden, next thing you know, I picked up a guitar and the vocals. And within three weeks, I played my first show. And I was I was horrible, I can tell you that. But people thought I was good. I don't know why they thought I was good. <laughs> I was horrible, I'm telling you. <laughs> and, uh, but it, it just, it kind of got in me from there, you know, just doing them live shows. I didn't realize that's what I love to do until fast forward all these years later down here in Atlanta, where I was in a rock band, a modern rock band, and we kind of blew up without a record label. So we went mm. from zero people at a show to like three to 500 people coming to every show. It was just like, it was amazing. And somehow in the middle of all that, I just remember one night looking out to the crowd and I just saw it wasn't as big as the ones that I saw, like, you know, arena concert levels. But I looked down the crowd and all I saw were heads. And I thought, man, how did I get here all of a sudden? Cool. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, and I realized that moment that that's what I love to do. I Growing up as a kid, quiet, uh, I barely spoke. And then, but my gift was to be able to get up in front of people, which you could not have paid me to do when I was younger. So, but mm. when I figured out that's what I love to do, that's what I love to do. So whether it's one person or whether it's on a stage, like when I was on BET television, for instance, over 500,000 people watching, whatever amount of people are, or it doesn't matter. It's like, I, I'm doing what I love to do. You know what I'm saying? You just get a feeling when you get, when you listen to music, it affects a person, you know, it, it can like affect their heart. You know, it can speak to them. Music just, it does something in a way that nothing else does. I mean, when you watch a movie, it's not a movie without the music, you know? Yes. I don't know. Music that's is good. just... That's powerful. Yeah, it's like music kind of like brings the drama, you know? <laughs> so I don't know another way to answer that. Yeah, that's what I notice when I I listen to some of your music. It's almost like, I mean, it's telling a story and you... Like you say, you build this drama into it, and it's really captivating. Mm. And tell me about the instrumentation. You know, it, it's so creative. What's the process in your creation of music from concept to full manifestation? Wow. Um, let's see. I wish I could say I approach it one way, but I kind of have multiple ways that I approach that. Um, believe it or not, I've woke up in the middle of the night and heard a melody. It had to go like it'd be like two or three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I, got, I need to, I need to sleep. I like this real quick, just recording something real quick, just like a rough draft, you know, because I heard a melody. I don't want to lose it. 
sometimes I'll sit down and I'll listen to somebody else's song and out of it, I'll hear something that has nothing to do with their song, brand new song for me. I'm like, oh, wow. You know, which is completely different than the song that I heard. Um, sometimes I'll just sit down and I'll be playing a riff, you know, on guitar. And all of a sudden it's like, I don't know. You know, for some reason, I think it's uh, for some artists, they're, they're like, it's maybe producers are like this because I produce. I hear like ear candy sometimes. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I hear something that's like, oh, wow. Like, I'm really good at writing hooks. That's what I do. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, um, and so when I hear one, I just want to write a song out of it, you know? And I've just got like, you know, I've got so many songs and I've got so much work that I need to do to release them. <laughs> them. But I got so many songs. What, I mean, you got to have way more songs than what you actually release anyways. So, yeah. but I've had times where I sat down. And I couldn't write for a second. And I guess they call that writer's block. So the what if I ever run into that, which is very rare actually, I'll just walk away and go do something, go work out or go clean up something in the house or something, you know what I'm saying? And then I'll just come back either later that day or whatever, or maybe the next day, and then whatever that block was is gone, you know. Mm -hmm. My process is, you know, when I write. I always just come up with like the verse hook immediately. I'll do the like verse and then I'll find a hook real quick. And then when I sit down in the studio, you know, I just kind of map it out, you know, intro, verse, hook, verse, hook, bridge, outro. You know, that's your general, <laughs> you know, songwriting map. And I mean, there's, I mean, there's kind of no boundary on that, but at the same time, there's a, just a, a simple way that people do it. If that makes sense, that's probably too long of an answer there. Sorry about that. Yes. No, this is good. No, I love this. Your artist's brain is just going off and you're flowing. That's that creativity. That's what I like. Do you have a, a certain listener in mind or, you know, as you said, you know, music, you know, it's, it's a part of our lives and it speaks to us and our souls. And, you know, what do you want people to get when they hear your song that you put together? Oh, such a good question too. Um, when I went through some very crazy trials and made wrong decisions and um, I have to always give God the credit, he pulled me out of addictions and stuff that I was in. I remember back then I was doing music, but everything I was listening to was not speaking to me though. The music sounded real good. It was like the hottest thing that was out at the time for the style I was listening to, whatever it was. But it wasn't speaking to my heart, though. And it wasn't talking to me about my situation. I found myself in tribulation. And generally, people that get to where I was don't ever make it out. They either, like, you know, some people die and some stuff I did. Some people, um, you know, find themselves in jail or they find themselves homeless. You know what I'm saying? Which I was homeless for a short time. But not like living on a bridge, you know, I was blessed to have a friend to go sleep on a couch, you know what I'm saying, or I slept in my vehicle. Mm -hmm. I wanted to start writing music right at that time it got in my heart to speak to someone to where I was. Like I wrote a song called Chance, you know, and the lyrics are simply, you know, cry your lonesome soul to sleep. Bury all your wants deep beneath so no one else can see. So I'm starting, I was starting to build the song on where I was. But then I was bringing them to the place of, for me, it would be faith, you know what I'm saying? Because after the music sounds, you know, the way I always say it, after the music sounds killer, it sounds incredible. But what are the, where are the lyrics taking me, though? Are they taking me somewhere? You know, even like when I listen to lyrics now, a lot of times, no. But then there's some songs out there that do, that are, that 
they talk to the genuineness of being, you know, of, of the human experience that we have. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like to sing songs to identify where somebody, where, how they feel. They feel like nobody cares, maybe. They feel like yes. they're all alone out here. And then all of a sudden I write a song that it'll be like, you know, I know you might feel that way, but there's something more to life than mm. what you're being told. That kind of vibe is where I always come from. Sometimes I write even like political. Like I love the concept of being a voice for the voiceless. Mm. And I'm talking about like uh, like from a godly perspective too. Like, you know, r- people that are really being oppressed because nowadays, you know, some people feel like they're oppressed and maybe they're not, you know, but then there are some people who are truly oppressed and they don't really have a voice. Like, let's talk about like, you know, orphans. Let's talk about people caught up in, uh, you know, like the sex trade or something like that. Right. Uh, let's talk about mm-hmm. people being abused in different ways, like where it's really, you know, so that I like to write music that kind of touches on that and inspires people that feel like even maybe they might feel like they don't even want to live anymore. You know, so I want to write a song that catches them. You know what I mean? That is so captivating, as I said. I mean, just you describing that. I'm not even listening to the music, but I'm just visualizing all your many different songs that you've written for yourself and for other artists and trying to touch that one person, you know, that that person that thinks no one cares for them. That That mm. is so good. That is very life-changing. And not many musicians are doing that. You know, they're just making music, you know, and... Or yes. they're thinking they're changing life, but it's it's not, like you said, making a great impact for mm. them. Mm. Now, I want to go back to yeah. something you said. You said that, you know, some of your music was birthed from a place of from where you were, some addictions and homelessness. Do you care to share with us? I was reading, you know, about, you know, you had uh, overcame some drug addiction and there was some homelessness. How did you get to that stage? And um, how did you rebound and get past the pride or shame of it and, and still come back on top? Wow. Um, so I was going after my dream like any 20-year-old, 20-something-year-old. I, was, I had a dream. I was going after it. Like I really went after my dream. I found myself in the just a party scene. You know, you know, all the teenagers, all the 20-year-olds, they want to get together and might drink a little something, you know, might smoke a little something, all that, right? And uh, mm-hmm. so I found myself in that party scene. And not just that, I was chasing my dreams, though. And the crazy thing about it is my dreams were going beyond where the normal uh, asp- aspiring musician or artist further than what they would go. So, like, it was kind of a surprise for me. Next thing you know, I was, uh, I was in this group, and, you know, we had some – it was multiracial, racial, uh, I guess is a way to say that. Um, it was like, you know, the, the guitar players from France. Here I am from Atlanta. You know, I've got like a, a big DJ that used to work with like Cool Modi and all some mm-hmm. old school, you know. And uh, my, my, my drummer, his brother was, you know, professional baseball player. So I found myself around a bunch of just amazing individuals that were super talented musically. And the next thing you know, we had a record deal with Def Jam Records, but it was a subsidiary of Def Jam that was run by Terrell Owens. Uh, it's called Dirty South Records, and we were we were you know we were supposed to sign, we were supposed to move forward. But in the midst of that, you know, just before that started, really, I started you know doing methamphetamines and stuff, and um, you know I was already like 
doing that. I was still smoking every so often and, you know, to kind of support my habit, you know what I mean? I was selling that stuff. Every, I wasn't like a drug dealer really, but I just did it to support my habit. Right. And then mm-hmm. being around those kinds of individuals, some of those people, you know, like I'd be around some celebrities and so forth and they would look to me to bring them stuff too. So I brought them stuff, you know, but it just spiraled out of control kind of where I just found myself where I was just lost, you know, long story short. And I found myself looking at having nowhere to live and my situations just kind of fell apart, you know, even the the, the record deal. And I felt like I like my dreams and everything were like destroyed, it, you know, basically. It was like kind of like building the person up. You feel like you're getting real close to being successful at the top of your game, you know, and you're fresh and new yes. on it, you know, and then losing it all, even though it was a lot of my fault, too, and, and making the wrong decisions and all that. But and I think that's what people just in general that do drugs, you know, a lot of people that are uh, addicted, you know, they're not they're not bums. They're not um, they're, they're they're not just nothing. You know, you're going to mm-hmm. find a lot of people that are on drugs and stuff. They're running from they, they got problems in their lives. So there was other things going on that were non-drug related, like family issues, those kinds of things. And so I just used, even I had lost a a job. I had a really good job I had back then too. So I had my, my vehicle was repossessed at one point. And then I had lost my job. I had no job because it was uh, right after 911 back in those days. So we're talking like 2002, 2003, instead of focus on my problems, I was just doing I was doing drugs and hanging out with with people and just not thinking. <laughs> you know, that was the whole goal was not to think about stuff, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh and that kept going to where it was just like uh all of a sudden one day, you know, I found myself kind of in a situation where you know, I just didn't have anybody around. This closest store was maybe 2 miles away. It was kind of it was in Snellville where I found myself and uh Snellville, Georgia. And had no money, run out of everything, lost basically everything. And bottom line, my story is that God came in and he pulled me out of that. Mm. Long story short, I told him behind closed doors, I quit. I don't want the dream that I had anymore that I just wanted, you know, God. And uh, Mm. not only did he bring me out without even going to like, you know, uh, drug rehab or anything like that, but... He also brought my dreams back too, you know. He 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 revived, and not just that. I mean, it's still going on. Like he's still doing it. It's it's incredible. You know what I'm saying? So like even now I'm doing um, scoring. I'm scoring music for like movies and stuff. I just started doing that too. Long story short, I don't even know if I answered the question, but there's a lot going on with all that. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, you did, you did. Yeah, yeah. Because God brought you out of it. My assumption is you just. You're like, well, it's no shame here. It's no pride. I'm just going to pick up the pieces and move on with him. Yeah, I, I, I was just, I was content with just having a place to live because I had lost all my equipment. I had thousands and thousands of dollars worth of equipment. I don't even know what happened to it. I think people stole it from me in the mm. process. All the drug addicts I was around, they just, and I was so in another world doing drugs. I didn't, I don't know how to say I didn't notice because it's a big deal to lose your equipment. But, you know, when you don't have a place to stay and you're keeping it at this person's house, this person's house, that person's house, that stuff just starts to disappear, you know. And I was just satisfied to have, uh, like, when I got an apartment to live in, I couldn't see up to that point. So when I got an apartment, it was like, it was a shock. 
that all of a sudden now I have a place to live. And uh, even though I had like $10 left over after two weeks, okay, all I had was $10, <laughs> but, but I had everything. You know what I'm saying? I had something to eat. I had a roof over my head, and I was cool. I didn't really have any equipment other than just my acoustic guitar that I play all the time. And, um, and I was satisfied with that because I didn't know how I was going to get out of my situation. You know, yeah. it's not like God said, Hey, you know, this is, I'm going to do this for you. I just said, Lord, you know, I know I can't be like this anymore. <laughs> help. That was my prayer. Just help, you know, yes. straight up. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't anything spectacular. And, but he literally, like, I didn't do it. All I know is I woke up into everything he was doing. Wow, what an inspiring and life-changing story we just heard. There was so much information that was discussed and shared, and I didn't want to cram it all into this episode, so tune into part two of The Musical Life of John Wayne Bailey in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Your Voice Must Be Heard podcast. I hope the story you heard inspired and motivated you to take action for transformation in some aspect of your life. I would love it if you sent an email with questions, share your enlightening moment or profound wisdom you may have. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Your Voice Must Be Heard podcast. I look forward to hearing from you. See you in the next episode. Bye.